Okay, so I am here with Errol Morris, who is most recently the man behind Standard Operating Procedure. Errol, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. <laughs> very, very nice smile there. First off, I wanted to ask you to bring in this conversation with Susan Sontag, one of her last essays regarding the torture of others. She One of her finest essays. Yeah, I yeah, I think so too. Um, she stated that the photographs are us in that essay and made an interesting comparison between the Abu Ghraib photographs and photographs that were taken of African-Americans being lynched between the 1890s and the 1930s. And she said, essentially, that these are souvenirs of a collective action whose participants feel perfectly justified in what they had done. So I'm wondering if you consider this particular film something of a study of an ongoing American cycle. If it wasn't lynching or if it wasn't Abu Ghraib, it would possibly be something else. Or does the military involvement elevate this into an altogether different realm? I admire Suntag's essay uh, very, very, very much. I remember reading it when it appeared in the New York Times Sunday Magazine. But there's one problem I have and that's the problem that you look at the photographs and you think you know what is going on and you don't. Mm -hmm. um, Susan Suntag made this very curious and interesting observation early on. She noted that the photographs were posed uh, American service men and women uh, looking into the lens of the camera, smiling, thumbs up. And that is absolutely correct. No disagreement there. But don't we need to find out first what we're looking at before we start theorizing about it? Pure and simple, uh, Abu Ghraib, the entire Iraq war has been endlessly politicized. Uh, but not endlessly investigated. Uh, I would like to see more investigation, less politics. Hmm. The question, for example, are we looking at a lynching, is a completely legitimate and interesting question. But one has to go a step further than just simply make the comparison. Hmm. That's not enough for me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, is it a matter of, I mean, I actually want to bring up your most recent article for the New York Times in which you delineated the difference between a single image and a moving image in the sense that a moving image involves trying to create a map of reality because you're not paying consistent attention to the actual moving image. But here you are with a film that has reenactments as well as interviews. And so I'm wondering to what degree do you guide the viewer's sense of mapping reality? Or is this kind of a cinematic device that is similar to, say, for example, the writings of L'Autremont, in which he has this narrator who guides the reader, and this is your effort to help out the viewer through this, through the reenactments and through this juxtaposition and through the editing? Or? I think it's both. I've never been compared to La Tremont before. Here's what I would say. There's a movie. Movie is a movie. 
But you can also ask, what is behind the movie? Uh, was my intention to investigate this story? Was my intention to find out new things? Self-serving of me to say so, but I would say yes. Um, I mean, what's the idea here? The idea is there is this set of photographs. They've been shown all around the world. Hundreds of millions of people have seen these photographs. I don't think that's an exaggeration. But do we really know what we're looking at? Has anyone talked to the people who took the photographs? What actually was going on in the photographs? Um, I'll give you an example. One picture that Susan Sontag remarks on is the picture of Sabrina Harmon with her thumbs up, smiling, the body of an Iraqi prisoner, Al Jamadi. Mm -hmm. uh, a lynching? I would say yes, but who is responsible? You look at the picture and you think, ah, it's the woman in the picture, the smile, the thumbs up. Yeah. She's the culprit. She's implicated. Come to find out, wrong. Yeah. Wrong. So... This is an ongoing problem that I have with how photographs are interpreted in general. I find Susan Suntag a kindred spirit, but many of the claims that she makes about photographs have not been based on any kind of investigation. I wrote a three-part article on two photographs from the Crimean War, which I believe were improperly analyzed. Uh, in her book on regarding the pain of others. Uh, and I'm writing another essay which will appear in the New York Times, I believe Monday or Tuesday, mm -hmm. called uh, The Most Remarkable Thing. And it is about our misinterpretation of one of the central Abu Ghraib photographs. Hmm. Interesting. I look forward to reading that. But back to this question of using this melange of reenactment versus existing interviews and the L'Entremont comparison, because this seems to me that you are in some sense guiding, and therefore, I suppose, what you see ocularly is, well, to some degree, it's up to the audience's judgment, but to another degree, it's also up to, well, almost being dictatorial in some sense. And so uh, I want to ask if Maybe that's the nature of the game, playing with those elements. I mean, for me to say that I don't guide audiences would be disingenuous, because of course I do. I think there's an investigation behind what I'm uh, presenting on screen. Take the Thin Blue Line I wrote recently about the milkshake, uh, the milkshake toss in the Thin Blue Line. Uh, I am guiding the audience to think about the milkshake, to think about Dale Holt, who is the internal affairs investigator, and the claims that he makes about where this one eyewitness was positioned. I want the audience to be engaged by that question. Mm -hmm. Similarly, I want the audience to be engaged by a whole series of questions in standard operating procedure. 
And I believe the reenactments serve that same role of calling attention. I mean, is this an answer? Tell me if I'm giving you an answer here. Uh, the reenactment is guiding the attention of the audience in some specific way. And yes, it's intentional on my part. I shot this damn image. I've cut it into the movie. I want people to think about it. And it's usually, I would say, almost always based on a line or phrase that someone uses in an interview. Mm -hmm. uh, Tony Diaz will talk about the drop of blood that falls on his uniform and what that means to him. And I will illustrate it, not reenact it. Illustrate it is probably the better word. Mm -hmm. uh, Sabrina will sneak into the shower room and take pictures of Al Jamadi's corpse. She gets one of two keys, uh, the element of subterfuge, the element of a clandestine investigation that she herself has inaugurated is brought to the audience's attention by the key and so on and so forth. I also wanted to ask you about the thumbs up that Sabrina offers. She has an explanation that it's just a tick that she does, that this is just something she does for every particular photo. And this is an interesting question to me because really whether we partially exonerate her this is very much contingent upon your audience and so that's why i suggest that the idea of well how much do you map the reality uh, obviously there's some responsibility or does just juxtaposing that in the film present an ambiguity for a viewer of one of your films to wade through that this is not really intended as uh, an explicit pronouncement or an explicit characterization of Sabrina. Uh, let me tell you a story. I wish that this essay had already come out in the New York Times because it's uh, an entire essay on Sabrina's smile mm -hmm. um, uh, based on the Cheshire cat. Uh, we see the smile, but the rest of the cat vanishes. Um, I get tortured by stuff. Uh, I don't have the answers. I'd like to have the answers, but I don't have them. I would get into arguments with people about Sabrina's smile. Um, a recurring question. How can you get past the smile? She's a monster. Just look at the smile. And I would say, but wait a second. She isn't complicit in the murder. This is someone murdered by the CIA, and she's taking pictures to provide evidence of a crime. Oddly enough, that's something, parenthetically, happens again and again in this story. Yeah. People are blamed not for what's in the picture, but for taking the picture. You'll read my essay at the end in frustration, trying to grapple with why Sabrina gets blamed and the guy who committed the murder skates away. I talked to the world's greatest living expert on the smile, 
Paul Ekman, who has written a whole mess of books on understanding facial expressions. Yeah. And I sent him all of these pictures of Sabrina to analyze. And there is a discussion. It's part of the essay. Yeah. And I think it comes to a somewhat surprising, remarkable conclusion. This is the AU units that I know Malcolm Gladwell referenced in one of his essays? or That's correct. Okay, uh, interesting. I, I wanted to ask you about, you've been asked periodically the notion of subjective versus objective. I don't want to quite offer uh, a rather obvious question, but I do want to point out that both you and Gurovich in the book and the film reach some point where you have to be subjective or the subjectiveness is, in, is a matter of guiding the viewer, as we were sort of establishing. I know Gurevich in the book is relatively objective, and then on about page 170, he just completely can't stand it anymore, and he expresses this effusive outrage for what's going on. I must ask if it is utterly impossible, do you think, to cover Abu Ghraib completely objectively, or whether really this sense of outrage how this relates to your sense of curiosity of looking at a photo and realizing that there's probably more going on, that perhaps by taking such a subjective stance, you have to almost inherently be subjective in some sense. And maybe this may have motivated the reenactments to some degree. Part of the subjective stance, if I understand the, the, the question correctly, I interview someone, I come to like them. Maybe it's an occupational hazard of being this kind of interviewer. Uh, I come to like them, I come to identify with them, I come to sympathize with them. Uh, it's not as though I see these so-called bad apples as stain-free, uh, as in no way morally compromised. I see them uh, quite differently. But there's a sense of outrage, and I can't really describe it any other way. Um, if I look at a photograph, and I'm presented with the question of why is the person who took the photograph of the crime spending time in jail, and the person who committed the crime skating away, I feel a sense of outrage. I don't know of any other way to describe it. It makes me angry. It's outrageous. I don't care, ultimately, uh, about all the niceties of this debate. To me, it comes down to something very, very simple. What kind of a country do we want to live in? What is this country about? I'm a good, old-fashioned populist guy. Mm -hmm. If I see little guys taking the blame uh, and the big guys skating away, pinning medals on each other's chest, I am outraged. I don't know how else to describe it. It's not politics. It's outrageous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's wrong. So really, the sense I'm getting is, would you say that your films essentially are this effort to pursue 
the victimization of the little guy, however besmirched, however morally tarnished that particular character is, that, that you will inevitably empathize or at least attempt to understand where the little guy is coming from? Or I like pariahs. Yeah. How could I claim otherwise? I made a film about Fred Lucher. Exactly. I made a film about Robert S. McNamara. Yeah. And now I'm making a film about the bad apples of Abu Ghraib. Uh, I once thought, whether this is true or not, I have no idea, but that part of art is extending sympathy where it's never been extended before. But I think it's also extending understanding where it's never been extended before. Mm -hmm. Um, It's looking at something in a different way or looking at something that people have ignored. this is idea, and I feel I hear it being presented to me again and again and again and again, that there is a correct way to tell this story. And the correct way is you, uh, you go after Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, you, Addington, Gonzalez, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We all know about the cast of characters. Uh, I have a different view. I think the story is with the little guys because I think with the little guys we feel most acutely where our country has gone wrong. Uh, I got this question, by the way, I don't know how many times I was asked this question during the making of the movie. Have you found the smoking gun? 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 This is a line actually from Philip Garevich. Uh, Abu Ghraib is the smoking gun. There's smoking guns everywhere. What we should be asking ourselves is how come there is a world of smoking guns and no one cares? How could it be that we have so much documentation on torture memos, on complicity with not just simply torture, but the abrogation of basic civil rights in this country. It's everywhere around us, and yet we have become like barnyard animals, like cattle. No one seems to care. Maybe, maybe in some small way by caring about people who are, I'm sorry, they are Americans, privates, specialists, corporal, sergeants, who are no different than you and me and caught in the middle of bedlam. I think it's a story that must be told. I think it's an essential story. And to go back to Susan Sontag's line, it's a story about us. America is us. (laughs) I had one other question. Uh, I have one last question, and that is involving Javal Davis. I learned in the book, and it was a great astonishing fact that he was a salesman and it occurred to me when watching your film that he had this freewheeling quality about him Uh, I wanted to ask because I know that you flew in all of these subjects to Cambridge and I'm wondering if really this is a true investigation if you remove these subjects from their innate environment I mean, I think of Claude Lonsman's Shoah and the infamous Barber moment in which we see right there in the present exactly how the past has affected him. And I'm wondering if 
someone like Javal might view this as a business trip or something along those lines, whether you can truly capture reality. Of course, the question of what reality is, we initiated into this, but I'm very curious about the true nature of investigation, whether it can truly be accomplished at Cambridge or why you don't actually go out or perhaps concoct a more portable version of your infamous setup. Remember, we're talking about a story that occurred in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there was a question, should we go to Abu Ghraib? That was asked over and over and over again. Uh, It's a story from the fall of 2003. It doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. These people have left Abu Ghraib. They have served time in prison. The story is in their heads. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm, by the way, a great admirer of Shoah. I think it's an extraordinary film, an extraordinary achievement. You investigate in so many different ways. I sometimes talk about my film as a cake, baking a cake with ingredients. Uh, You have the photographs, that raw evidence. That is the documentary material from 2003. That's what remains of the reality of 2003, along with Sabrina's letters, Mm -hmm. which were written during that same period of time and sent uh, back to the United States. Um, Then you have the reenactments to try to take us into that moment of photography. They try to draw our attention to certain details in these retrospective accounts that people gave me, which are also reenactments, by the way. They're verbal reenactments of the past, but reenactments nonetheless. And then you have, you don't see it in the movie, but I know about it. You have piles and piles and piles of documents as... Philip pointed out to me very early on, you have a million and a half words of transcript here, interviews that are not part of the movie, a huge investigation of which the movie is only a small tip of the iceberg. A movie is not, see, that's a confusion. A movie is not an investigation, but it can be motivated by one. But this question of innate environment, however, why not go to see where they're living now? Because you see it in the looks of their eyes. Innate to what? Why not take them back to Abu Ghraib? Why not take them back to Iraq? Why why is it so important to take them to where they live? That's not where the story occurs. Herzog did that. (laughs) But uh, I have to unfortunately wrap this up. But Errol, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, it's important, it's important to remember that the story resides in memory. Yeah, I think so. 